soy Celia Cruz y estoy aquí con Wyclef celebrando el carnaval. Azúcar. Hello, everybody. Is this the Fugees? It's Wyclef. Okay. Half. The better half of the Fugees. I like Lauren Hill. God, why you gotta be that guy? <laughs> Hello, people. Here we go. Got a little white cleft on kicking us off today. The Soccer Dad Pod is back for another episode. We, uh, if you listen enough, you know that the music means a lot, and there's always an underlying reason. And we've we got one today. Our guest coming up is uh, he's grinning ear to ear right now. He's like, "This is the shit." And you'll find out in a second. We're going to introduce him in just a second. What we're going to do is we're going to tell you what we normally tell you. Uh, number one, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, it just continues to uh, spiral on us here, and we are appreciative of all the feedback, um, the listens, the follows, the shares, um, and especially all the dirty little comments. We like that, too. Um Please give us a follow, give us a review because that all that stuff helps out uh, because we're telling a lot of stories and having a lot of guests on here that really have resonated with so many of us and you that have listened. Um, just keep it going. You know, we appreciate the support. Uh, Spotify, Apple, pick your poison. Um, with me today down in the sunshine state, we have Zach. Afternoon. And Jared. Hello. Good afternoon. Man, you guys are on your B game today. Come on, A game. We're in Florida. Uh, Zach's tired. He went um, crawdad hunting this morning um, <laughs> in the sun, caught five crawdads, um, and he's terribly tired, and his ears messed up. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've been down here now for how many days? A week. It's been a week? It's it's been a week. Oh, yeah. We yeah. arrived seven days. in Bradenton seven days ago, yes. So as most of you know, we have uh, boys that do play the sport that we love, and they tend to play it a hell of a lot better than we ever played it. And so now we're chasing them around literally all over the country watching these games. And for the past week, we've been down here in Florida at IMG, uh, Bradenton, Florida, uh, for the MLS Next GA Cup. And... Games are short, and we've played five games in seven days. So that's a grand total of five hours in seven days. And the rest of the time, we've acted the fool and got sunburnt and ate shellfish and fish and everything else. Mussels. And some mussels. Mu- yeah. uh, mussels with mussels cheese. and clams. Um. Um, so it's been crazy. Um, we, we uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've listened to the show, you kind of know enough about us to be dangerous. Um Boys have came down here with the U15 City SC Academy uh, and have really um, performed extremely well. Uh, they're at this point they're three and two in the competition. Um, we've played. Uh, help me out here, guys. Charlotte. Then Charlotte first game two zero. Seattle zero zero. Winning PKs. Winning PKs. Play Arsenal. Lose two nothing. Who? Arsenal. Uh, they're from um, the Gooners. Yeah, the Gooners. Yep. They they're the they're Gooners. they're from London. Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah, they were good. Um, Third, fourth game. Uh, LAFC. LAFC. Uh, one of the best in the age group nationally, and 
Result was? 1-0 City. Good guys. Good guys. Arch, T-Rav kids, knocked it out. Uh, and in true sport fashion, come back the next day to a team we should have beat and didn't. Montreal, 2-1 loss. Montreal. Didn't yep. show. Montreal. I think they were freaked out because they were like, heard the kids uh, on the field speaking French, and they were like, wait a second, I thought they were Canadian. It did throw them for a it loop scare there, them. I think. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't speaking Canadian. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, they were like, A? Where's the A? Yeah. They're like, we don't understand. <laughs> so it got in their head. Rough day. But now uh, we have uh, Inter-Miami tomorrow and Colorado, Colorado Rapids on Sunday. Um, so give us a follow on the socials because you can check out some of the highlights from those games. Uh, we would appreciate that. Um Want to back 17s, up? 17s. Um, yep, 17s are down here too. Have had a, um, I think in their opinion, lackluster week. Um, they lost to the Remo Stars from Nigeria. They lost to Portland Timbers. They then lost to... It was a rough was week. Uh, they beat the Rapids. Yep. Um, they won yesterday. I think they are two and three. And we are three and two. Yep. At at the end of the day, um, St. Louis at every level is continuing to attend these events, uh, compete, consistently compete, uh, take on teams that everybody is like kind of written us off on and walk away with the W. Um, so at the end of the day, we're proud of the boys um, and we'll leave it at that. Um, because it's just there's so much more soccer. We could talk about it forever as it applies to them. But what I want to talk about, uh, I want to go backwards a little bit. Um, it's been a little bit since the last episode. Uh, last episode, we had uh, Brad Davis. No, Bill McDermott. Bill McDermott was on. Brad was prior to him. Correct. Correct. Um, Bill was, he was out of this world, by the way. His it was fun. His stories, his pedigree, his um, uh, knowledge, not current to past. I mean, we, we arguably we have not had a better guest than Bill when it came to laying down the stories. He knew the stories. He knew the names. He knew the times. He knew the places because he was at most of those places. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if if Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica decides to come out, um, and then just go down the soccer section, he could write it. Yeah. I mean, we've had some good historical figures with Dave Lang and Shane Stay and Jim Leaker. Jim Leaker, but Bill was at the places that those guys wrote about, and was speaking into a microphone to all the listeners that couldn't be there and to hear his voice talk about those times. That was, that was cool for me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I like that. He liked Rodney Dangerfield. Well, that oh, was a massive Rodney. I mean, yeah. he, he had it nailed and Leonard Cohen. That's what blew me away. Like the quirky, everybody knows Leonard Cohen music love. That was definitely a curveball. And he sang it. And he was a good singer, right? He was. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's better uh, at announcing. I mean, not as great as Jared. Yeah. No. No, no, no. Uh, no, no chance. But I mentioned the Brad Davis episode uh, because that was the episode prior to Bill. Uh, because I'm continuing to get messages on our social media 
uh, really national messages, people commenting and like loving the fact that it, it's always the, I had no idea. You know, I didn't know that he liked that. I didn't know that he was in, you know, supported veterans. And if you haven't listened to it, go back because there's a lot of different things that he covered ranging from uh, the club, uh, St. Louis Scott Gallagher and the, the the role that they're playing in the new world order with city and town uh, from a development standpoint. Uh, but really more importantly for you parents that have kids that play the game, um, it's just a, it, it, it's like a, what would you call it, Zach? Like a speed bump. It, it's slow down and hear, hear it from a guy that played it at the highest level, but is personally continuing to, 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 to deal with the parental role uh, with a high-performing child um, and how to manage that. And it, it, was, it was just brilliant. And, that, and that's the words that, you know, the comments that are coming in are like, I'm that person. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, that is me. And, <laughs> and I've mentioned it way too, too often to repeat again. I will just reiterate that going back to that episode with Brad and having him talk about his experience with his own kids, his own father, and then paralleling that. Is paralleling a word? Sure. It is yeah, now. It is now. It's on recording matching that with what he brought to the table as far as watching other professional athletes watch their kids and the behavior they present compared to what we see on a typical Saturday morning, um, whether that's our boys, girls in water polo, kids playing softball, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it was an interesting contrast. I think it's something that we could all learn from. Yeah. It was awesome. We per also have to talk about um, the no shot against our first team loss last Saturday that we have not came together as a group to revisit. Oh, That's yes. True. Yeah, and we have a, 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 an opportunity to get back on the horse tomorrow night. We do. We're talking about the St. Louis City. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to roll in our guest of the day. I agree. Um, because he's fully embedded in the chaos that is City SC as a City SC Academy parent, um, hailing from the Peoria. Um, son is Bijan, a.k.a. Big Man, center back. Uh, Ron, how are you doing? Ron Champagne. Uh, thank you for the introduction. I'm uh, doing very well. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for the uh, Wyclef. You like uh, that? I love that. Yeah. He's now, a, can you explain why that was important? <laughs> yeah. Very important. Uh, so I hail from a family that comes from the Caribbean, and my parents are both from Haiti, and hearing that Wyclef in the Fugees is <laughs> always a good thing. So. Did it make you like us more? Oh, much, much more, much more <laughs> definitely. Black <laughs> passe, everybody. <laughs> no, you know, it's we 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 were all um, we we spent all week together. You know, Ron, we we've been uh, killing time in between games, and you know, today we were at lunch, and you know, we we're talking about what we always talk about, which is typically soccer and nonsense. Um, you know, and it was like. You need to come over. Just come back to the pad with us. Let's have a chat because I, I think that you, you know, when we get into your story here, um, you have such a 
unique uh, relationship with the game through your child, through your children, really, in sport um, that, I, that I think a lot of parents are going to you know, you wonder about. It, because let's just get right to kind of a little bit of the background. You guys are Central Illinois family, um, but it was what, two, two years ago? Correct. Um, Bijan, your, your son, uh, excelling at soccer, needed to go to the next level. You're living in central Illinois. There's clearly not an MLS team in your backyard. Tell us a little bit about the decision that you and your wife made. Um, you know, talk about where he went and kind of that process. Sure. Thank you. Um, uh, we'd have to back up a little bit. Uh, we have uh, an older daughter, uh, Valerie. She's uh, three years, uh, three years older than Bijan. Okay. Um, and uh, she was attending high school. We actually live in a city called Pekin, which is adjacent to Peoria. Um, and she was playing high school soccer. Um, also came up through the ODP system in Illinois, uh, made the Midwest region team, um, played on multiple different clubs uh, in the central Illinois area, uh, whether it was Peak and Pride, um, Peoria FC, um, uh, Morton Blaze, and even an independent team, uh, uh, Independence FC. Um, she was playing in her high school and she didn't have the ability to play at the highest level um, and was interested in a school that had a little bit more diversity. Um, and uh, she was, during the Midwest region, uh, one of the coaches at IMG reached out to her and asked if she'd be interested in going to IMG. Um, I was well aware of IMG, but her mom uh, didn't know much about IMG, and I was all for it, but I knew that my wife, Nani, was the one who was going to okay this move. So Valerie ended up going to IMG her junior and senior year, had a good experience there. Uh, and in her senior year, uh, we decided to send Bijan uh, to IMG in his eighth grade while she was there, anticipating that he would stay there through, through high school. So, so for those of you that are listening, IMG, <clears throat> IMG is a clearly a private institution. Uh, it's it's a sports school, but it's all sports. I mean, it, I I have a number of friends in St. Louis that have children that are baseball players there. This is a pipeline. It's a pipeline school. Uh, kids typically go there. They live there. Um, so my question to you out of the gate is. How hard was it to make a decision to send your children, you know, to the Eastern time zone five states away? You know, what, what was that process and, and how did you guys come, up, come to the yes, let's do it point? Yeah, it's a difficult, it was a difficult decision, particularly financially. Um, uh, but from the standpoint of where we lived, um, it was a, an easier decision. Um, to make uh, for the from the perspective of playing soccer, uh, for Bijan to play at the level uh, at IMG uh, to and to stay in the Central Illinois area, we would have had to drive him two and a half hours up to Chicago or down to St. Louis on a daily basis. And uh, to be committed, you really need to be going every day. 
we had a lot of friends in the area who were going up or down and maybe going two or three days a week. Um, it's a big commitment. And we knew that if we sent him to IMG, um, he would be boarding. He would have access to all the facilities, training five days a week, and then on weekends with a, a good group of guys, and that he would be able to play at a higher level than what he was playing in, in central Illinois. So I think the, the, the model that IMG had, more in, particularly for the women, is very um, well organized. You're playing at the highest level for women's soccer and for men's soccer as well. However, uh, for example, for the men's side, uh, you may be playing uh, Inter-Miami, Weston FC, uh, Orlando City. The, are, the Florida Yeah, Jacksonville Football Club. Exactly. And these are great clubs. And these were clubs that are playing at a very high level that we didn't have access to where we lived in central Illinois. However, I think for the men's side, that model is slightly flawed. There's good and bad. And the flaw is that I think that IMG is probably best suited for a family like me where we don't have access to an MLS Next uh, academy and we live so far away and we can send our kid to IMG and they can play at that level and it doesn't require us to drive two and a half hours north or south on a daily basis. Yeah, he's walking two and a half minutes to the training, exactly. training field. And, and, you know, and, the, the, and I think what you're saying is the MLS academies – um, as they, over the last 15 years, and especially here in the Midwest, um, they would they really water down men's soccer for IMG. Yeah, definitely. I just think the IMG story is interesting. You know, it started with Nick Balatieri back in the late 70s, and it was really designed specifically for tennis. It was the first real boarding school of a of a athletic nature and then a couple years later Andre Agassi comes through changes the game a little bit and then IMG International uh, Monetary Group or uh, Management Group <clears throat> buys it out but says we'll buy it but Balatieri stays on he just passed away in December of this year That's or right. 2020, 2022 jeez I can't speak 2022 Balatieri dies there are now, I don't know how many of these academy-like schools out there, and not only in the U.S., but abroad Globally. as well, that are doing this immersive athletic yeah. and the amount of athletes in football, basketball, baseball. tennis, mm -hmm. baseball. There's a golf complex that's not attached to the main what? campus that is massive golf school, and it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, so, it, the, the track and field was the thing that I noticed because <laughs> if you guys notice when we would pull in right the parking lot and you've got the javelin and the uh, the, the discus. discus and the shot put well shot put but what what's what's the one where hammer the, throw where yes where yeah. it's on the rope yeah do you see those guys no. like those are like they're all high school kids right, <laughs> right. it was like a, a Vikings. We're walking around. <laughs> right. Do you, you, you know see what the I, offensive line? Oh I my mean, gosh. The offensive line. I mean, it looks like Nick Saban's offensive line. Yes. Yeah, it's really kind of crazy. Uh, you know, because the, all of the and the kids that were underneath in the shade and they're all stretching and it's like, 
this is this is like a, a Schwarzenegger contest. Like they're all Adonises. Um, the, the one the one thing that's just like I what what I what I really want to learn about is, look, you love you love your children. It's why you decide to do the things for them. How did you manage? You know, well before college age, shipping them. Yeah. You know, because there are a lot of parents that are like, you know, have the capability or the interest and maybe have children that can compete at an IMG or the Barca Academy or anything else that is like a a residency, a fully immersive institution. You know, if you were to talk to them, what would you say to them as it applies to in essence, kind of splitting the family right. for that time frame? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, my wife and I really didn't anticipate being empty nesters as soon as we were. I think what it boiled down to was uh, the idea of whether we were restricting our, our, our child's ability to achieve something if we allowed him to stay, if we made him stay, uh, as opposed to giving him the opportunity to try to achieve assuming the, the idea that there's a good chance he's going to fail. But if he were to fail, then at least we could say that he gave it a shot and that he had the opportunity. Um, and he's probably not going to need to look back and or, or blame us for not giving him the opportunity to achieve. So, so this far into the process... Um because now now he's made the shift uh you know we've we've been talking about the kind of the img integration uh and if you've been paying attention to this episode you know that he is now playing with our boys at city sc he's in st louis now he's actually boarding at chaminade um which those of you listening know know where that's at you know what that's about um is he happy does he does he like it? I mean, you know, because teenage boys are somewhat non-communicative. Oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm looking at Zach right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what's what's his feedback on that process? Has has he enjoyed it and like, you know, what what's the takeaway from a parental standpoint, pros and cons? Yeah. Uh First of all, pros and cons. I, I, I think every parent has to really know their kid. Um, in our case with Bijan, he's extremely mature. Uh, we always his nickname in our family is the little man. I mean, he's at six foot one, or exactly. six foot five. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the but, most not, unappropriate nickname I've ever heard. Oh, we're going to fix well, that. Yeah, this nickname, this, nickname came about, <laughs> this nickname came about when he was five. Okay. And he wasn't as big as he is now. What was he, um, like 5'8"? <laughs> <laughs> He's always been a serious guy. Um, always been committed to whatever he put his mind to. And uh, we always knew that if we sent him to IMG, if his grades faltered, he knew he was coming home. And he never let that happen. Um, Straight-A student, uh, bright kid, and committed to the sport. So... So to answer your question, I'd say you really have to know your child, know that they'll be able to handle living abroad or living away from home. Um, Are they mature enough to handle this? And there were experiences at IMG that he came across where there were a lot of kids who who couldn't handle it. 
um, I think that's the first the first decision is is knowing how mature your kid is and how seriously they'll take an opportunity that's given to them. Do you, do you think it's kind of a uh, you you that you have potentially a, a unfair head start heading into college years four years down the road? Uh, be, you know, be because of the lifestyle and everything, and, and really yeah. the discipline within the sport. Absolutely. Well, so. and you can even talk about your daughter. That's exactly because right. Because she's now yeah. in college. She yeah. had two years at IMG. Can you talk a little bit about her experience? Yeah, which, by the way, so, what school is she at? Yeah, so I'll get there. Yeah. So that's exactly how I was about to answer your question, is my daughter was at IMG for two years, her junior, senior year got used to boarding on her own, doing her own laundry, making sure her room was clean, organizing her time, and playing the game. Um, one and of our going big, to school and, exactly. and, and staying above water and then some. Exactly. So one of the big issues for Valerie was making sure that the classes and the course curriculum that was at IMG would allow her to go to the schools that she wanted to go to. Mm. She was interested in Ivy League schools. Um, making sure they had all the AP classes and advanced placement or, you know, honors classes to challenge her curriculum so that she'd be um, desirable to schools of Ivy League, um, you know. Pedigree? Pedigree, I guess. So, and that worked that out for her. So she she graduated and she's at the, the University of Chicago. She's doing really well. Um, she's playing soccer there. Um, and she's she's thriving. So, so let's uh, let's get into a little compare and contrast right now. Um, and we already know the answers, but we're going to ask you and see if you answer them properly. Uh, IMG versus St. Louis City, and St. Louis in particular, which is better? City, without a doubt. There's, and I can answer that. And that's, Did you notice you know, I didn't say Kansas City? I did. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> well, there's a professional track with City. Um, you have a, a well-established academy there, and it's closer to home. Well, you know, it's funny. You say well-established, but we literally were just talking about two hours ago about, uh, you know, this U15 team that the boys are on uh, were six months into this experiment. And, um, you know, the, the we, we've talked about it time and time and time again about the role that St. Louis plays in just developing players in general. Um it's almost as if the academy had an, an extreme head start, uh, you know, feeding off of uh, Scott Gallagher, Lou Fuse, et cetera. Um, being from Pekin, having your, your son and your daughter play uh, with the regional clubs, inevitably you played in tournaments and you would come across St. Louis teams, et cetera. You know, and after IMG, when whenever St. Louis comes on the board as an option, you know, did, did did you did you kind of like were you excited about the prospect? Did you did you know enough about kind of St. Louis's history within the game? Uh, did any of that matter? I had always known about the history of St. Louis and the importance of the city when it comes to you know soccer in the U.S. Um, um, I went to college in in St. Louis. I attended Wash U and. Uh, the head coach at the time was uh, Ty Keo, who has a pretty strong history in soccer in the U.S. and heard, in heard St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> He's not bad. His yeah. dad played too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah his yeah. dad. <laughs> I heard of his dad too, yeah. and may have coached. Uh, <laughs> I don't 
know, eight national champions, seven. I mean, how many do you have at SLU? He had the majority of them. Yeah, see, I think I, he had four or five in the decade. He got a lot. Yeah, he got quite a few. Yeah. So, all right. So, I mean, we can we can sit here and and uh, and, and joke about that all day long. But um, so, more more questions though about the process because you you're. You know, early early in our episodes, we had Jody and Blake, um, uh, other parents that are on the team. Uh, their son Cole is a goalie on the team. He is a an extremely high performing baseball player nationally. Uh, what is he, Jared? He's like, I think last time I checked, he's first uh, in the state for third base, and he's in the single digits nationally. Yeah. And ranking, which I don't know how they rank them, but I guess that's how they rank them. And then they have a daughter that's. Same thing, kind of uh, softball, yeah, yeah, softball competing nationally, and you know, and they and they juggle all of that, and then I look at you and your wife, and you know, and you guys are always so calm around the field, and you and you're always there, and 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 now knowing kind of the logistics of the whole situation that you live in Peoria, and you're coming down uh, to St. Louis for the games, and you're traveling for the away, and all for the last two years plus, three years. You guys are like a Hertz commercial, <laughs> you know. You're you're everywhere, but but it's your family. It's like your family structure. Um, how, how do you manage that? I mean, is it is was the the first weekend that you guys drove home after dropping them off when they were that young? Did you just lose your minds, laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, like yeah. what the fuck did yeah. we just do? Definitely, definitely, my wife was a little bit more concerned than I was, um, but. Uh, we both know our kids and their motivations, and Bijan's always been good at, you know, navigating, making friends, um, working with adults. Um, you know, I'll be honest, the kids made it easier for us. Um, they weren't getting into trouble. They weren't having issues that were major things that we had to come in and, and correct. Um, the kids definitely made it made it easy, and for us, um, Shamanad made things easy for us as well. The fact that they have boarding, you know, every once in a while Bijan, Bijan gets a little, you know, embarrassed when a big Shamanad bus comes and picks him up from practice. You know? <laughs> yeah. But but Shamanad has gone above and beyond, you know, for making things work for Bijan and for our family. That's awesome. There's some good people there, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. well, and, and, and specifically, which I know is probably not um, relevant to who has who has make uh, made Bijan's transition great, but the soccer folks at Chaminade are legendary. Yeah, have you been approached yet to leave City and have Bijan just join Chaminade's yeah, high school I've, team? I've, I've heard grumblings from Bijan, <laughs> and uh, but it's I I I don't think it's going to happen. Hard pass. <laughs> no offense, Shamanad. No, well, yeah, well, let's see. Oh, Brad Davis, Brad Davis, Shamanad, yeah, yeah, a lot of them. It, it's funny. So, so let me ask you about that. Um, let, let me just get your opinion because obviously you've engaged. You've you've gone all in on from an IMG standpoint, and now uh, uh, working with City and you know having Shamanad. Uh, to, what's, your, what's your opinion on the um, exclusivity of academy, of player development within these MLS Next squads versus 
competition in high school and socialization because you know I, I I think out of all the boys on the team your son has been to a degree the most kind of isolated as a player you know going to these different institutions um, do, do you ever think about like the uh, the role that uh, high school could play in his life versus this player development and where does that go yeah great question um we had these discussions with Bijan before we sent him to IMG, and he knew that he wanted to go to IMG because it would be a better soccer experience. He was extremely committed to soccer, and that's all he wanted to do, but he didn't want to have his grades suffer, and he knew in that environment that it was going to work. And I'll be frank with you. He wouldn't be at you know City if he had not gone to IMG first. I don't think he was going to have the experience to play at this level, had he not gone there and played the inner Miamis, the Kendalls, the Western FCs, and the coaching that he had, uh, Jason Peters was amazing. You know, he got to play up with uh, the U16s, I think, or the U15s at the time. Uh, so right before we were coming to City, he was playing in Texas in Frisco. Uh, at the the showcase with IMG and the older boys. So he was getting a lot of experience to play at this level. Um, another a shout out would be uh, um, coach uh, Stefan King, who was a Gallagher coach on the Illinois side. Uh, he did a lot of coaching with Bijan when he was living in the Peoria area. And uh, he's been, I'd, I'd have to credit him with a lot of help in the development of, of Bijan's Bijan skills, uh, Nathan Porch as well. So, so you're saying he's ready? Yeah, I he's think he's go. ready. <laughs> but in all honesty, I think this process is grueling. I think it's tough, and I think at this age, he just needs a lot of experience. Oh, okay. So here, here, here's here's a segue into a little roundtable. Um, because we, 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 we all view our children in a certain light and we are going through these, uh, these things, the, the competition, all of it. Um, we're viewing it differently. And my question to you guys is, how young is too young to be this competitive? This is one thing that I just, it, it occurred to me today, you know, because we, for a week now, really for longer than that, uh, we all wax poetic as far as soccer dad philosophy and all this other stuff. And we deal with our wives and our families and everything and communicating through our children. But, you know, when you come to an event like this, the GA Cup, and you look at the, 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 the brackets, the pools, and you see Real Madrid and you see Arsenal and Saul Campbell standing on the sidelines and his son's <laughs> out, you know, it's like, it's all surreal. Is is there a crossover between too much to not enough? I mean, how, how you know how? Because I can see the, a certain amount of stress in all of our faces. I have zero stress. I think the you never is, have stress. The though. answer is it, it, it's kid specific. I mean, if, sure. If if the kid um, is is thriving and having fun. And, and there's no other outside noise with the bullshit acting out. Um, he's taking care of business in the classroom. Then it's, it's all green lights for me. I mean, to me, as, as a parent, 
um, whether it's baseball, whether it's golf at IMG, whether it's basketball, being really good at baseball or whether, I mean, I think all of us, even when we played sports growing up, at least for me, I'll speak for my family. My mom and dad said, you can't play sports unless you take care of school first. So now it's just a, um, uh, you have to take care of school. So it's almost an unwritten rule in our family, probably likewise as yours, take care of business in the classroom. And if it's kid specific to answer your question, if they're excelling and having fun, I, you know, leave the shoot open. Go ahead. Well, I think also too, that if we think back to when the academies were first started and then changed over to MLS, there was one goal in mind and that's a world cup yeah. period. The pathways that have gone off from that are increased visibility by the MLS, increased attendance at all soccer across the country, increase in placements within Europe and in other international venues. Outlets. And excuse me. I think the process is working to a degree that we are going to put these kids in a high pressure environment at an early age. And if they crack or break or get burnt out, which I get asked that all the time, don't you think it's rough on a 14 year old to be doing soccer only for six days well, a week? Yeah, I, I get that all the time. And the answer is it, our boys want that. Right. right. So my, my point is, I think, and, and Jared said it very well, it's up to the individual kid because if your kid's not, that into it. Like Bijan was saying, I want to focus on soccer. Well, then IMG is a great spot. If he can develop academically, he can develop his soccer skills, play at a high level, and you have the means to make it happen, go for it. But I don't think there's a a, a, a biological date where a kid can start to compete because even if the, these kids fail out at this point, meaning if, if none of the five of us, or four of our kids go beyond this, the skills they're learning from the high-pressure environment that they're in right now will carry them forward in whatever they want to do. Well, I, I, I agree it, it's so funny because I have, I have a senior. You have a senior. I right? also do. We, yeah. So both of them are getting ready to go away to school, right? Correct. And I think of um, my oldest son is he's pretty traveled. He, he, he knows how to travel. We've, we've been a lot of places pretty fluent packing his bag and you know he knows how to like be simple but then i look at my eighth grader beckett on this particular team he spent so many nights in hotels and traveling on the bus and, <laughs> and you know and i fast forward to the college ages and i'm like it's this gonna be easy for him you know it's like these boys have this uh unique opportunity to like accelerate right these little life hacks Right. Um, that are huge. Yeah, and I think you know some people go, well, if they do get burnt out and they fall out, would that be is that going to be upsetting to you? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, if the skills and and values they're learning now can transfer into others areas of their life and they can continue to be successful in something else, great. If I, I think, kid, yeah, I think, go ahead. You go I just ahead. think, um, you know, there's so many aspects to this question. You know, if if the if the child really wants to play, that's one. If the parent wants it more than the kid, that can create a lot more stress on the kid than <laughs> than you ever know. Yep. You know, and so it you you really have to see. And then sometimes the kids may want it so bad, and they can't handle the stress. You know, 
so that I think has to be you have to find a way to manage that you know so you really have to to really know your child watch your child see how they respond to these kind of stressors and adjust things accordingly I know if my son decided he didn't want to play anymore I'd be very happy with that I know that he gave all you know all that he had um, and we just would move on to the next topic and I'd be right. right there for him what if what if he told you he was a Chelsea fan He's already a Man City fan and I'm a Liverpool <laughs> fan and it's not really really easy. I house. think if the kids get burnt out, I'm blaming IMG, Scott Gallagher, and City. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with us. Yeah. Dude, you're spot on. Um, we're going to roll out real quick because we need ref- refills down here in Florida. Uh, real quick, uh, I'm drinking local, local Florida lager. Since we're not a well-spent this week, uh, I've got local... It's literally called local Florida yeah. lager. Jared and I are going Pacifico. I'm going Pacifico, and then I poured a little bit of Curvassier in my <laughs> No. So we let Ron so our talk about guest it. today, <laughs> Ron, <laughs> go ahead, lay it down. Uh, what's not, the, what's the drink of the day? It's Couvoisier. Couvoisier. Potato, potato. <laughs> but Ron, Ron, how are you using? Yeah, I got using. some uh, Couvoisier with uh, some sour lemonade. It's delicious. I love it. It could be my new favorite. I, I mean, it's like my freshman year of college all over again, man. <laughs> <laughs> you were drinking Couvoisier and lemonade your freshman no, year? No, I couldn't, aff- I couldn't ha- afford hey, Couvoisier. We have a Haitian drinking Couvoisier with us. <laughs> how many guns do you have with you? <laughs> And we kicked off with uh, Wyclef, and now we're now we're tossing a little Valerie for your uh, your other offspring here. We're gonna roll out real quick. We're, we're gonna get some refills, maybe jump in the pool, come back, make you guys feel bad that we're all down here in Florida. Uh, we will be right back. Hey everyone, JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors, really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Now, back to the mindless banter. Nobody in the band can understand a word he's saying. Nobody. All right, fir- first person. James what? Brown. James. Of course it's James Brown. <laughs> what's, James. what's the song? America. Living in America. There we go. Leave it to the Haitian. <laughs> Apollo Creed. <laughs> <laughs> we are rolling back in here. I got an American flag bathing suit. <laughs> I... Guarantee you do. You probably have two. 
Well, I do. I have two varieties. I have one of the thong variety, and I have one of the board short variety. So you're saying you have one Speedo and one Kid Rock? I'm more saying I have one Speedo and one soccer short, tearaways, and I wear them at the same time. So do you guys know why I'm playing this? Uh, you guys have it. You guys know why I'm playing this on the way in here? Living in America. There, we, there we go. Ow! What were we talking about at lunch? Uh, we were talking about Flavor Flav, maybe? Yes. His ex-wife. Ex-wife. Bridget Nelson. Who was Drago's. Ludmilla. Yeah. yeah. If he dies, he dies. He dies, yes. Uh, at lunch today in Bradenton, we uh, were espousing the virtues of uh, Rocky IV, specifically Ivan's wife. And her choice of husbands, <laughs> ranging from a lot to little, <laughs> right? Science how's that, how's yeah. that courvoisier now, man? It's not. That's not how you say it. Courvoisier. Courvoisier. Yeah, it's better. Do you like that? That's good. Well, you are the enunciation. I'm not. This. You are. The I just. I just try to be thoughtful. In sounds how aggressive. Things are sounds aggressive. Pronounced. Sounds, sounds a little arrogant. I, you know, that's what it comes <laughs> off as. Is pretentious. I get it. What? What's I've gotten in my whole life. <laughs> but you know, it's, I don't know. If he is, he is. You know. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, let's go around the table. Uh, best Rocky movie ever, and anything above four is an automatic disqualification. Put your headphones down. Uh, Creed. You took my. Put sorry. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I guess, okay. I guess there's two people on the show. Okay, wow. so yeah. right, everybody JB say say goodbye to Ron and, and Zach. <laughs> Me and Jared are gonna carry this one out. It, it's Rocky one because he lost. I don't know. It's one or four for me. I, you two can have a second chance at getting no, this I, answer right. Definitely one. I am I'm, one? I'm kind of with 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 Ron and and Jared. I, I just think the original is so not unique, but it set up such a standard for sports movies. Right. And for with me, the montage I mean, yeah. and I'm a Haitian guy and he was chasing chickens. It's right. <laughs> I heard that. And you know the other thing that is really And punching cows, you know, sticks out for me is how real the fight scenes are. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. They're not real. No. They're, they don't, <laughs> you're they're kidding they don't me. stand up as well. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What do you mean they're not real? <laughs> they, they were um, poorly done. Well, you know, it's interesting. They're I, not poorly done. If your heart strings are ripped, they're done well. Because you cheered when he got up and was yelling. Yeah, there's just certain things that don't stand up as well. And not that there was a lot of CGI and rock i mean in, in in any of those movies but i don't know what that side topic for. cgi yeah oh graphics computer, computer graphics, graphics. oh yeah. the um, fake stuff jerry but uh, I'm i i grew up <laughs> I'm terrified <laughs> terrified of the movie poltergeist that movie scared the living daylights out of me and i had nightmares about it for decades and my nieces were over a couple you years ago you are the dude to have nightmares i mean that's just the is that why you wanted to be a you went to school to be a pastor didn't yeah, you yeah i did yeah but there was no poltergeist push you in that direction ah uh, no that's a whole other topic that we could get into another day but oh we got time man. we're point, down here in florida and the point can't being, see our kids or anything so i told my kids how scary that movie was 
and my nieces were in town from from Tennessee, and they went downstairs to watch it. So my two older kids, my two nieces, were about the same age. Within five minutes, all I hear is laughing. They invented mattress pads because of you. It is such a terrible movie, and the special effects are so bad <laughs> that it it looks like stop motion. And so none of the scary stuff was actually scary. I don't understand the mattress pad thing. Oh, peeing in the bed. Got it. Didn't do that. Didn't? No, no. Did, I had friends that did. Did that really come to you on air, like peeing in the bed? He said they invented mattress I, pads I for know, me. but why did it take you so long to figure that out? Well, because I was finishing my thought to come back to Jared's. <laughs> That's how good I am. I could even continue my thought while still processing what you were saying. He works okay. for Salesforce. So for those of you that are listening right now, this is literally <laughs> the primary... Uh, uh, this is actually the conversation that occurs on the sideline. We really don't pay attention to the games. We talk stupid shit the whole time. <laughs> and, and Ron sitting here with his covassier and saying, cool. yeah, these guys are nerds. Yeah. Right. Um, we need one lady to come over here and ask us to explain why that was offsides, though, if we're being honest. What do you mean? We just need somebody to come in and be like, was, well, could you explain why that was offsides? If we're really talking about on the sideline. I oh did hear God. kick it hard. The other day. I heard Here. that for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know who said it? I do. <laughs> Are we naming names? Hell no. <laughs> I want to I wanna ask Ron a question, and this is going to the panel again, kind of a, a, a round robin sort of topic. Take the MC. Do it. You, JB, asked the question, how old is too, or how young is too young for competition? I want to understand, because this is something I struggle with, the differentiation between advocate, surrogate, and enabler for your kid in this environment. And if I need to explain what I mean by that, I will. I just, I just think there's a level or a, a, a spectrum of sorts where on the far end you have the enabler or the surrogate who's doing the homework for their kids at night so they get good grades, who's calling the coaches to complain about coaching, you know, uh, playing time. Advocacy would be kind of somewhere in the middle to the left of the, the needle where you're just promoting and supporting your kid, giving them the opportunities, taking them to IMG, taking them to camps, buying, yeah. you know, training. College camps, college extra stuff. training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to say that, oh, I would never do that. You're still here. Right. You're still listening because Absolutely. you are yeah. doing some of those things. It's, so I'm just, I would love yeah. your perspective on well, that. Well, uh, real quick, let me, yeah. be, be, I asked the Real Madrid parent that same question. They didn't understand it because they speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm so glad you brought that story up, Jared. Because <laughs> there was a lot that you were trying to ask that, that Real Madrid parent and yeah. they just. Well, Jared, Jared knows he's got a minimum amount of uh, words uh, on the podcast that he has to get out in order to get paid in <laughs> right, beer. Right. So he's he's keeping up his quota here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in my family, I come from an immigrant family. My wife comes from an immigrant family. And if you can't take criticism, you're just not going to survive. And um, I've always been super critical of my kids. Uh, I definitely try to temper it to their temperament and what sure. they can handle. But um, 
they know that they need to do well. Uh, and when they don't, um, more often than, than not, they're more mad about their circumstance than Nani or I am. So usually they kind of take care of their situation. So that's how we've always approached everything. You know, oh, I got a 99. Why didn't you get a 100? You know, oh, you know, I didn't play well today. Okay, good. Why do you think you didn't play well? You know, we've always been pretty strict about um, how they play, how they perform, how they do in school. Um, and it, to the extent that they've learned to pretty much internalize and criticize themselves and figure out what they need to do. But, but, but is it strict from a standpoint of judgment or is it uh, active from a standpoint of inquiring, allowing them to answer the questions to... Uh, maybe falling short on a test or in a right. game or whatever. How, how do you balance that? Because for those, you know, for those of you that are listening, you, Ron, you're a pathologist. You're a doctor. Your wife is a surgeon. You guys are clearly excelling in your individual worlds, and you have these two children that are excelling as well. How do you how do you carefully approach challenging your children without not being judgmental? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I think in most cases they judge themselves, you know. Um, I think everybody has a level of judgment on the performance of what their kids do, but I think the most important thing is is looking at the reality of the situation and seeing, you know, did they perform well? If they didn't perform well, is there something else that they can do to improve that, or how do they... Um, how do they change uh, to make themselves better? Do, do but also recognizing that it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to fail, um, and to learn from those mistakes and failures. You got to be able to do that. So, do you, would you consider yourself a uh, reactive parent or a proactive parent in their in your expectations? So, from the beginning, I think I was more often a reactive parent and learn to become proactive. Um, and that's based on mistakes that I made with my kid as they were progressing in the sport um, until they reached a level that I could no longer teach them what I know. I just backed off at that point. Um, and they probably reached that maybe three or four years ago. So given the fact that you're wearing a Chicago Sting t-shirt, not a St. Louis Steamers t-shirt, dude, I'm a Chicago you, boy. <laughs> you don't know that much about <laughs> Chicago You Sting. knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. he, Zach Sting. was waiting. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh my God, it's, it's coming. A Arno Steffenhagen. Pato Marhetic. It, it, it did take a while, it didn't did. it? Franz surprised. Matthews. Bring Spe it on. Spell that. I've never heard of these guys. Yeah, no, have I? <laughs> You're not from I've Chicago. only heard of Jared Bertrand and Taylor <laughs> Twellman and Brad Davis, Steve Trichu, yeah. Steve Ralston. So, oh, okay. So, Daryl Duran. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is kind of crazy. So, with the, with the new team, you, you guys are, you, um, 
Are, are, are you season ticket holder? Did I am not. You're not. So you're picking them up as you come down. Correct. Um, with the new team, with, um, you know, here we are five and one. Clearly, you've been paying attention to the headlines uh, with the first team and the incredible run out of the gate and finally stumbled a little bit against a really, really good yeah. Minnesota team. Um, you know, tomorrow night we play uh, Seattle, correct? Yep. Yes. Uh, who's another... At midnight Eastern time. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Oh my God. 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. What do you guys want? Coffee at 9 p.m. so I can keep I, you up and I'm watch I'm going to need... Yeah, a couple of espresso martinis, God. please. <laughs> okay, well that's different. Um, how how fun is it now, though? You know, you you had your IMG experience, which is kind of like you know historically was to a degree a mecca, a sports mecca for for kids that are right. going to do that. Now you're you're in the club, um, watching City SC, and you know you, you're a <laughs> Liverpool fan. Um, <laughs> You know, you're you're a lover of the game. We have a team. Uh, how's the, how's the team making you feel right now? Out of the gate, you're watching it. You excited? What's your, what's your two cents on City S? Yeah, definitely an exciting moment for the city of St. Louis. Definitely an exciting club. Um, I attended the uh, exhibition game with uh, Bayern Leverkusen earlier in the year, and that was a very um, exciting moment very the atmosphere i thought was cold. very much it was cold <laughs> but it was still very much a european experience i've been to anfield many times um been to the etihad um nothing beats anfield and that was a a very very i'm not gonna say very close but it was a close moment you know what beats anfield nothing beats anfield etihad Granite City Gauntlet. Oh my God! <laughs> oh Are you kidding me? What the bad jokes? It's a totally bad joke. It's I don't care. Joke. I'm By on vacation. Way. Are you a forensic uh, forensic pathologist? Almost became a forensic pathologist. I heard their patients are the coolest. Uh, <laughs> morbidly, yes. Wow. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Oh my! I. Pretty sure that was worse than my joke. It was. It was pretty bad. Uh, all right. All right. So, for those of you that are listening, uh, we kind of wanted to like paint a little picture for you um, where soccer has elevated to at this point uh, with the GA Cup in particular. And we were talking about it on the break. Um, we wanted to bring up kind of what we've seen. Uh, from these other teams, uh, specifically the international teams that are coming in, and a few of the MLS uh, clubs that have really like uh, stood out, you know, head and shoulders above the others. Um, but if if you're listening, the, there were 15. I think there were 14 or 15 international teams in the U15 age group. Do you? You roughly, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's close. Yeah, for, for conversation purposes, that yeah. works. So, I mean, we're talking about Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Valencia, uh, Man Re U. Real Madrid, Man U, CF Monterey, Gang, uh, Pumas, 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 on and on and on and on. Leo, and, and these are all the academy A teams from these organizations that are you know traveling all the way to Florida. Um, to play to play these teams, and a couple of my takeaways uh, has been out of the gate the parity, the parity between 
you know, you, you, you hear those names and you think of Champions League champions. You, you think of players that have uh, won World Cups and, you know, the, the best ever. And, then, and they walk onto these fields that are the same size all around the world with our boys from across the country. And these games have all been extremely competitive. Now, mind you, these teams are good. They're coming over, um, you know, the Arsenal team that we saw the other day, um, arguably one of the most athletic teams that we've seen uh, played against in years. Agree. Um, but, Ron, you in particular, because you've camped out there with your camera and, uh, it, it, on field one, um, talk about the few standout MLS squads, Philly Union in particular, and the relationship and the com competition against these European teams that you've seen. Yeah, uh, I've been most impressed with Philadelphia Union. Um, their team has been well organized. Their positioning is, in, in, is impressive. Um, they've never seemed stressed on the field. Um, they've handled everything that they've, um, you know, had to encounter. Um, the game I saw against uh, Real Madrid was an incredible game to watch. It was a 0-0 tie, uh, Union won in PKs. Uh, they had lots of opportunities to score, as did Real Madrid, but I was really, really impressed with the way they were positioned, the way they moved the ball, uh, the opportunities they created. It was, they, that team has got a lot of ballers on there. So, so let's get into a little theoret uh, theoretical world here, um, because we've seen this time and time again, and we talk about the national team at the U19 level, U17 level, and now at this particular event, our domestic teams, not our national team, but our domestic teams from each of these clubs, a handful of them are, are, are competing and winning at a regular pace against the Arsenals, the Real Madrids, et cetera. Uh, so, so which theoretically should say uh, on par, we're there, right? We're there. We should be able to compete at a higher level. But then we get above 19, 20, 21. And then what happens, right? The separation starts to present itself. Seeing what we've seen, you know, speculate, guys. I think that's it's a simple thing. I mean, I, I, I watch varsity sports in high school, and you'll see a JV team from Podunk, Missouri, or Podunk, Illinois, crush every team at their level in JV or freshman. When they actually get to the fully developed stage, and they no longer have an age restriction, meaning you're not just playing kids that are 15, you're playing anybody who's under that certain restriction, you know, restriction. It's just a larger pool to draw from, from that already hyper-focused group of well-trained individuals. So I think the pools are still better in those regions than they are here. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing the best 15-year-olds or 14-year-olds or 13-year-olds from Arsenal's academy come play our best from Philly, St. Louis, Chicago, whatever. So I think collectively we can compete there. But you take the 15 to 20 kids 
at the 20-year range and put them against the Arsenal team, I think Arsenal is still drawing better. And yeah, but, 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 but there's, there's a breakdown there because the way he explained that was is the best 13 to 15-year-olds in the under-15 age group here, our domestic clubs are competing with the best 13 to 50-year-olds between Real and we, Madrid and Arsenal. And we can go all the way up to 17 at this point. We, we absolutely True. can. So if I was going to answer the question, um, the, the first way I would ask would, would answer it would be almost with a question. If I had the answer to that question... I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be the director of USA Soccer because there is a breakdown between 19 and 22, whether it's um, regionally, we don't have an identity um, between the four or five, six regions, however you want to break it out in the United States, whether it's, um, I mean, booze, whether it's girls, whether it's, I mean, there's a there's a hundred things we can go here. We are not. I mean, we're going to under seventeen World Cups. We're going to under fifteen competitions. We are in the final four. We're 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 in the the top of those competitions. Why are we barely making it out of groups at the men's level? I think is your question. Well, how yeah, many how many guys though? Let's let's play this out. How many guys that we saw from the Arsenal team at the U fifteen level? will be in Arsenal's academy in three years. Well, hold on. Theoretically, 100%? I don't know how anybody would have the answer to that. I have no idea. No, we but they track but, that. But my, my caveat or my add-on to the question is that the if the story is accurate in the communication and the conversations on field, eight, eight of those kids are in the English youth national team system right eight of them i mean that's 40 percent of the roster uh -huh. is already in there and yes they beat us could we have competed better absolutely could we have tied or won absolutely and it's almost like and this is just a group of kids from st louis right so my i, I it just it's amazing me as we watch these games like where is this separation occurring and why? Be because at the 17, 16, 15, 14 level. Historically, we've always went over into these other markets in Europe, in South America, and done well across the board. We have. Yeah, at the Flat level, out. definitely. So, <clears throat> so, so are we what, saying it's the right to vote that fucks everything up? No, I, I think it's the options. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked about Arsenal's kids going into the academy is because they're not going to go play basketball. They're not going to go play baseball. They're not going to go to college. They are on a very linear path. Oh, I had that exact conversation. So there was a dad standing on the corner when we walked over there that first day. Arsenal was on field one. Yeah. And sitting there, it's like, oh, my God, damn, look at these athletes. Look at these athletes. And I'm like, well, consider their other competitive sports. Right. Cricket. They, they, there's no basketball. There's no NFL. There's no NHL. There's... There's soccer and rugby, soccer. rugby and cricket, <laughs> right? Um, so that's that's what I think. And so when you've got a kid who has spent since they were five years old, the only sport they've ever played is soccer, and they are in an environment where they're only playing soccer all year long. We don't compete that way. They also understand it. Yeah, well, like the, they, they like the, the their their brain consumption of the game. I believe is 
accelerated because of uh, the viewership. Uh, their local yeah. club, like they're watching the game all the time. You're a perfect example, Jared, because you're like, you love the game. You played the game. You played the game at a very, very high level. But you have his, uh, famously been quoted as saying, I don't watch soccer. Uh, I think I'm watching a lot more. You're watching watch more. But, yeah, but I, I, I can tell you this. I mean, if it's City, if it's my kid, then of course I'm going to watch it. But if if it's a Derby West Ham, Southampton. No, I mean, if, it, if there's a London Derby and it's on a Saturday morning, and this is kind of not a good comparison, but... You know, I got tickets to 10 years ago to a Rams game. I'm going to the Rams game. Yes. That, that, I mean, that's really kind of my point. Yeah, that is your yeah. point. I'm not, I'm not staying home to watch the London Derby. N- no, but those kids do. I know. You're right. Your be- point's be- valid. Because, because they're not – they don't have the other outlets or interests, right? So, I don't know. I, I guess the qu- simple, simple question is, do you guys think – um, that we are figuring out that equation at the youth level. Yes, moving into the next level. I think we are. I think that we are, and I think we're we're ten to fifteen years, maybe even sooner than that. From, I still think we have a better chance at World Cup twenty twenty six. Not the whole cup. I don't think we're going to win, but I think we're going to compete at a much higher level than we've ever competed, and it's going to be because of. That group of, of, of guys that are now 22, 23, that will be 27, 28, <clears throat> come 2026. With that more experience. Trained at IMG in the residential academy. That almost all of them are playing abroad, not just Europe, but abroad. They're living and breathing soccer. There's no distraction about, are you going to play you know, American football? Are you going to go coach at a college because you're not getting the playing time that you want? Or, you know, th- those things don't exist for those guys at this level now. And that's pretty new. I can't think in, in the history that I've been watching soccer where the U.S. national team has that much international experience at a high level, not just playing on a third-tier English team. No, they're all first, first they're division all, and, teams. And they're all starters for the most part. So there is a difference, and it's because, I think, our focus of the academies. We, we talk about this issue a lot with the high school versus academy. And I hate that we have to make that choice for our kids or the kids have to make that choice for themselves. I hate it because of the history of playing for a high school championship and the what? Granite City tournament of Be whatever. careful. Be careful. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think those days are... <clears throat> no, totally. And, and uh, one of the agents that I bumped into the other day watching the Seattle game, chatting with him, it was just a bunch of small talk and it came up about youth development and the uh, competitive versus uh, player development. And he's like, we don't have that high school and even college, you know, layers that you guys have. Everything is professional. Everything. And from his mouth, it was, that is an advantage that you have that you guys should exploit better. You know, the ability to get an education, the ability to focus on that. He's like, you just, you just haven't figured out the system yet. But it's competition for the focus. No, true. Getting a college education while trying to win and develop. I mean, Jared, 
you and JB both went to college to play soccer. Ron, I'm not sure, yeah. you know, what, what that was for you. But I mean, that is a big chunk of time <laughs> that right. takes away from soccer. So I, then, let, let me just, I'll let you go, Ron, but let me just back that up a little bit. It is, and the people that are doing it the right way, I had plenty of time to F around. I really did. And I look back on it, and if I would have really um, uh, took an advantage, taken advantage of the tools that were given to me, um, and maybe some of the extracurricular outside noise, specifically for me, I, I could have gone a lot farther. Too. You could, so but I'll challenge Jared on this because the carrot's different now. The carrot when you graduated from college to go in the MLS was like barely a minimum, you know, full-time minimum wage job. It's very different now. And that's what I'm trying to say is I think we are getting to a higher level because that, so, I, so that's, that's the, another, go ahead. The question I was going to ask is, you know, is the route going through college and playing division one soccer versus the UPSL and then the professional route. I mean, is there parity with UPSL and in college? You know, and what's the difference? And I so so my take on that is um, Rolodex. You know, it's like a universal, simplistic uh, scapegoat that I use often in any industry. Um, if you play on a team that has a staff, a coach, a trainer, an owner, or whatever that has a Rolodex and connections, and is is a Type A. Well, then you're always going to have more opportunity, you know, because we, we've all played for a variation of uh, coaches or, or, or clubs in which you might have a super cerebral, shrinking violet coach. It's just like, hey, guys, love you guys. Let's play this game. And that's all they do. And then there's another one that's a I'm out in front. And I'm talking to everybody and wants to tout that. I, I think that in the U.S. soccer marketplace from – that league to uh, uh, you know is, is city two level. It's who do you know? It, it, it's it's who are you going to call? Who are you going to? Hey, I got a guy. Because <laughs> half the time, I don't care what the industry is, right. whether it's a a fucking soccer player or a plumber. If you say I know a guy, that that's valuable. <laughs> so it's like at some point, when is all that going to like? you know, uh, uh, become super transparent and smooth for our players. You know, because, Jared, I mean, you know better than anybody at this table. The people that you played with, at the end of the day, were deserved, but they also had somebody picking up the phone, you know, and advocating, and there's opportunity. And now we're in this world where so many really, really good coaches and ex-players are at so many levels, it's who's going to pick up the phone. So wasn't there like Harrison who plays for Leeds? The, he's like an English national. He was playing in college here in the United States, and then he ended up going playing for, for Leeds. Yeah. You know, and then there was a Liverpool defender. I can't remember his name now. God forgive me. No one can. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be the one that fell down? <laughs> no. Oh, no, oh, that was Stephen no, Gerrard. No. no. Oh, boy. 
oh, let's not go there. <laughs> no, I, but I mean, these guys had an opportunity to play college soccer, and now they're playing in the English Premier League, you yeah. know, and so the question I'm asking is, is what is the parity with college soccer and playing professionally? I think that's a, we could do some remedial study on how many former college soccer players in the United States are playing in Europe. I would guess that the that current is low. The majority of the players that are in Europe today, minus like a Tim Ream, never played in college. And their only professional career has really been in Europe. Through academies. Through academies. So and I would agree with that. So I, I think there you can certainly the, we what we have learned from this experiment of of talking to all these different people, there is no linear path. It's always gonna have meandering trails that come back to a certain place. But from what I'm seeing right now anecdotally, to get to the highest if we think English Premier League is the highest level, which some would argue, La Liga or whatever. If that's the highest level, most of those guys, minus Tim Ream, who played at SLU, then did MLS, right? And then went to English Premier League. That's not really happening a lot yeah. these days. Here's an interesting, to come full circle back to what happens to our kids. Um, in London, how many academy, how many pro teams are in London? There's seven first division teams there's however many so i think there are more kids in an academy level in england from a a seventh eighth grade year collectively through all of those academies growing up than there are actually playing at a high level here in, in in the states yeah without question so maybe it's a sheer numbers thing because they're putting them in that position for success with our they also get to play against each other because they can drive to there in under five hours everywhere. I get it. But here, we, with not counting the outside noise with the other sports that we've, that we, that we've spoken about, part of this thing to become a pro, the main part is there are lots of kids, women, men, that have the sports ability and talent to become a pro. And they don't have the mentality to be a pro and that's where they get filter out quickly sooner than others. And very quickly, they might not even sniff it. So my thoughts are, is what's going on in America, pop culture wise, where our kids that have the ability to become pros, they're not becoming pros. What is it? I, I, we, we talked about this early on about the burnout. I think because there are so many different paths the decisions you have to make about oh do I do I go to IMG and live a you know live away from my family and do I do this those are probably not decisions that are very difficult in a European country because you're not sending your kid well and the vast majority over there is not paid to play right um, and it's also embedded in their culture we're we're competing against four other major sports or no sport at all. Correct. And, and I think the other, the other aspect of it is, I mean, it's geography. We are so Huge. big mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. so many different regions and styles and cultures and attitudes. And 
you know, what I was talking about earlier as far as like, you know, the Rolodex goes in personal, professional lives, every, everything here, whether we want to admit it or not, is politics. So at the end of the day, yeah. that comes into play too. It does. So I don't know. It, U.S. soccer is like staring the gift horse in the mouth, actually has put its head into the trachea of said horse. <laughs> You know, and there's a plethora of players that are continuing to beat the global best players at that 14, 15, 16, 17 age group, and they're not being coddled in a proper way or in an effective way. Hey, here's the deal. In the 17s, in the Final Four, all MLS academies. In the 15s, three of the four. The Belgian team is the fourth in the Final Four. Yeah. 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 So I, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's you're you're hammering home the point. Real Madrid out. Arsenal out. Chelsea out. All of us out. Man United out. Right. So, so Valencia, Valencia, Palermo's. But yet they all get to get on the plane and sit back and drink champagne and laugh and be like, oh, we'll just wait five years. We got them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean that's really yeah. kind of how this thing is playing out because i guarantee you, you put philadelphia union against arsenal philly union may win a game sometime but nine times out of ten i don't think that's happening not not at the a-team level because of the pillaging of the top two three players a year they're top players, and this is this is a byproduct of the structure of the league because the league, the teams are going to make more money. Bottom line, selling those prospects, yeah, but that, then they are keeping them and playing. But that's them. that's not any different than in Europe. I mean, the, how many kids that were on Arsenal's academy are playing for Arsenal's first team? Well, but here's the difference: in Europe, they're they're buying and selling amongst each other. Yeah, so it's still staying within the pool. And they're also the New York Yankees of London, so the overhead is much greater than the Philadelphia Union of Philadelphia. No, I, I, I'm with you, but we were talking about how do we get to the point where hey, we're beating at the U15 level, we, but we, we're not, that's not going to happen at the first team level. No. So not yet. You know, I, I don't know. I know we're trying to wrap this up because <clears throat> we're kind of starting to talk in circles, but... Yes, this is the toilet bowl portion of the show. It is. It's spiraling. <laughs> We've brought back the same topics. And, Ra- and Ron, normally, normally we point out the fact that our guests are like, in the first five minutes, super hesitant to come on the show. They're like, oh, fuck. And now Ron's like, an hour and 20 minutes into this thing, he's like, why did I waste the last hour and 19 minutes of my time? <laughs> I got to drink some Couvassier. <laughs> Couvassier. <laughs> All right. Jared. I think we solved it, though. I think I think we nailed it. I think uh, if if U.S. Soccer would just give us a call, um, we've told and, the, we've told them that. Plan. I'm, I'm still I'm still fighting for a U.S. college coach to run our American team. I'm so not on that path. I know you're not. I know. Ron, global coach, take your pick. Who runs the uh, U.S. boys? <clears throat> It's a tough call. I you can say Josie Mourinho. It's all right. Uh, Jurgen Klopp. Oh my oh. God! <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, 
I can get behind that one. All right, All right gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, Ron. you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Coming over here. Thanks uh, for the invite. Bringing your uh, gin and juice there. <laughs> it's all you, dude. <laughs> Jared, thank you. As always, Zach. You're going to have a good two days here left, man. I know. Last two days. I know. Excited. You're going to regroup. You're going to get oh, yeah. some Rally. aloe on those knees in your face. <laughs> I mean, if you can see Zach, people, he looks like. Who gets sunburned on their kneecaps? That's a great question. That's a great question. Hey, give us a follow. Spotify, Apple, all of them. Uh, Guys, reviews are great. Um, Really appreciate all the support. Uh, Give us an email, too. You you got somebody in mind for the show, shoot it our way. SoccerDadPod at GaslightSTL.com. Love it. We're going to roll out here with a little Wyclef Jean. Uh, There you go. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. I woke up half drunk, overlooked by a bunch of gypsies with a bag of scum. You got the scarlet to your face, star. Anything can happen. What, what, say what, say what? Anything.